It is good to see all of you out tonight. We are glad that you are here. And I'm thankful to Kurt for leading singing. Uh, as we were closing out the nursing home service, I could feel my voice getting a little bit, I don't know, just tired. <laughs> so I'm glad to just be able to preach tonight. But uh, as we look at our lesson for tonight, we are continuing our series on Bible basics. And tonight's lesson is entitled, Origins of the Bible. Although as I got to really working on this lesson, uh, I've kind of decided we're not actually going to get into where the Bible comes from. We're going to spend most of our time on the first part of the lesson, which is what the Bible says about itself. And there's a lot to be said about the Bible. And especially as we look to the Scriptures, we see how the Scriptures describe themselves. And uh, a lot of good interesting references uh, that help us to understand what the Word of God is. And it's important for us to know what the Word of God is. It's important for us to know so that we can share it with others. Um, but we do need to, to have a good understanding of the Word of God. And, and it can best be explained by the Scriptures themselves. So we begin with our first point. God's Word speaks for itself. And it does. God's Word does in fact speak for itself. There are several verses of Scripture that make reference to the Word of God. Names that we use to refer to the Scriptures that are given to us. And as I was going through some of these Scriptures, I was reminded of certain songs that, that bring light to these names and how we use them. And we often use these names, but maybe we don't realize their origins. We don't realize where they come from. But they do come from the Scriptures themselves. So I'm going to go through several verses and we'll look at, at some of the terminology and the ways that, that the Word of God is described in Scripture. We begin in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. And there are a couple of these verses we'll go back and look at uh, a little bit later on in the lesson as well. Um, and this is one of them. But in verse 11 of Hebrews 4, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, spirit piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. One of the ways in which the Word of God is described is the Word of God. And this is one of the scriptures that, that bears that out. Another is found in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6 is a reference to the armor of God. And within that reference in verse 17, Paul says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The way that we, we look at the Scriptures, we understand these to be the Word of God. This is what God wants us to know. This is what God wants us to understand. 
It's what God uh, has given us so that we can do His will. And if we follow God's Word, we know that we are in line with His will. As we look at the Word of God, one of the ways in which we see the Word of God is as a weapon of sorts. It is a sword. It is described in both Hebrews 4 and Ephesians chapter 6 as a sword. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews it says that it is sharper. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is a sword. It is a powerful weapon. It is to be used so that we can lead others out of darkness. It is to be used to defend ourselves against the powers of darkness, against Satan, against temptation. But we use the Word of God. And so it is uh, referred to as a sword. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will. O oh God. Here it is simply referred to as the book. The Word of God. It is the book. The book that we can base our lives upon. The, the book that we can, can base our spirituality, our faith upon. It is a very important book to us. It is evidence of the will of God. John chapter 5, verse 39. John 5 and verse 39. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. A similar reference is found in Acts 17, verses 10 and 11. Acts 17 Verses 10 and 11. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word, another reference to the word, with all readiness, and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether... These things were so. What a great example that we have in the Bible. Here it is referred to as the Scriptures. And that's very important too. But, but what we find in both passages, in John 5 and Acts 17, is that in both references we have those that are searching the Scriptures. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. As we, we look at Acts 17, and we look at the Bereans, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness 
and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They searched the Scriptures on a daily basis. And anything that they learned, they searched the Scriptures for an answer to make sure that the answer was true. And that's a good example for us today that we should search the Scriptures also. I, I encourage anyone listening to a sermon, even from me, to search the Scriptures. Make sure that what I'm saying is true. need to be sure of what we are taught. And the only way to be sure is to do that very thing, to search the Scriptures, to find out whether these things are so. And 2 Timothy 3, in verses 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We understand here that these Scriptures that we are given, the Word of God, it's not just a bunch of nonsense. It's just not a bunch of jumbled up words. But we find out that these things are inspired of God. All the scriptures that we are given are inspired of God and are profitable to us as Christians. That they make us complete in the sense that they provide us with everything that we need. They thoroughly equip us for every good work. And so the Scriptures are very important to us. In Romans 3, verses 1 through 4. Romans 3, verses 1 through 4. What advantage then has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. What if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. The oracles of God. This is also found in Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There's nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ. And, and at some point we all have been babes in Christ. If we have become Christians, then we have at some point 
been babes in Christ. We have needed the milk of the Word so that we can understand the, the basics, the fundamentals, the first principles. But we cannot remain in that state forever. Throughout the remainder of our lives on earth, we must mature. The longer that we live, we mature. We continue to study God's Word. We continue to grow in it. And then we come to understand what is referred to here as the solid food. We can get into the meat of the Scriptures, so to speak, and understand the more difficult passages. But we cannot remain babes forever. We must grow. We must mature in order to be the Christians that God wants us to be. And here we find another reference to the oracles of God. Also, 1 Peter 4, verse 11. 1 Peter 4 and verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Ministers, those that stand in the pulpit, and Christians in general, are encouraged to speak, not according to their own words and their own thoughts, but to speak as the oracles of God. We are to use the abilities that we have been given to present God's Word to those who need it. But we must speak as the oracles of God. Acts 7 and verse 38. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us. This is a reference to Moses. As we get later on in the lesson, maybe actually into next week, Lord willing, we see that Moses, he was the, the one who, who wrote the first five books of the Bible. He is credited with the writing of those books by the inspiration of God. <coughs> Moses had a very special relationship with God, but one of the great things that he did, he... He was the one that, that brought the law to the people. And so we have a reference to him as being the one who received the living oracles to give to us, to provide for the people of Israel and also to us today. But we have this reference to the Scriptures as living oracles that provide life. We find spiritual life in the Word of God. And we'll look at that a little bit later on as we look at the Word as the seed. These are just uh, some of the names that are given that, that help us to understand what the Bible is. That, that describe to us what the Bible is. But there are also some symbolic references that I would like to, 
to bring to your attention that, that I think are, are worthy of our note. Uh, aside from the names previously given, there are symbolic names by which the Scriptures may be referred. One of the ways in which the Scriptures are referred to are as lamp and light. Whenever I think of, of lamp and light, I think mostly of the song, Give Me the Bible, because that's exactly what it's talking about. Uh, give us the, the Bible to, to light our way. In Psalm 119 and verse 105, one, one of the very familiar passages to us, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. It is referred to as both a lamp and a light. In Proverbs 6 and verse 23, Proverbs 6 and verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. In order for the Bible, the Scriptures, to be a lamp and a light, we have to understand what darkness truly is. When we look at our world, we, we often refer to it as a world that lives in darkness. And, and that's a reference to actually two different ways that they live in darkness. One is in ignorance. There are many who live in ignorance of the Word of God. Or they live in ignorance of who God is and they, they lack that light, that spiritual light that can light up their life. But another way that they are in darkness is also by sin. Sin is to be in darkness. To live in sin is to live in darkness. But the Word of God, the Word of God is lamp and light. It can guide someone out of the darkness into spiritual light. It can guide them into what they need to do to be saved from their sins. And we understand that Christians have been delivered from this power of darkness by the lamp and light of the Word of God. Colossians 1 and verse 13 he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. 2 Peter 1 verses 19 through 21. 2 Peter 1 and beginning with verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It is a light that shines in a dark place. And as we spread the gospel, as we teach others the Word of God, we are shining that light. And so we ourselves are told, to be a light to the darkness of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And we as Christians should not hide our faith. 
we are to light the way for others by sharing with them the lamp and the light of the Word. Another way in which the Scriptures are referred to are as a mirror. The Scriptures are referred to as a mirror. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In James chapter 1, we seem to have spent a lot of time in James today. Uh, but here's yet another reference from James chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The Word of God is referred to as a mirror. You don't have to answer out loud or raise your hand, but how many of us look in a mirror before you leave the house each day? We do. We want to make sure that our appearance is, is presentable to others, that we're not going to be embarrassed when we walk out the door. And we recognize the, the significance of a mirror and what it does for us. It shows us what we look like. And so if we see something about us that, that we want to fix, if, if my hair needs to be combed or if my beard needs to be trimmed or, or something like that, I can fix it by looking in the mirror. As does a mirror, the Bible helps us to see ourselves as we are. It helps us to, to look into the mirror of the Word and we can see ourselves for who we are now. We can see our fallibilities. We can see where we have strayed away from God's Word, where we, we have made mistakes. And we can see what we need to fix. Except that the, the Word of God just, just doesn't show us what we are now, but it shows us what we can be and what we should be if we look to the Word of God. If we do what the Word of God says. It shows us what we need to be and how we can become what we need to be. But the Bible can be referred to as our spiritual mirror because it is very much so our spiritual mirror. It shows us for who we are. It shows us our flaws and it shows us what needs to be corrected, what needs to be fixed, and how to fix it to make sure that we are faithful to God. The Word of God is referred to as fire and a hammer. Fire and a hammer. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29 Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, 
and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. A fire. It is referred to as a fire because fire is seen as the greatest purifying agent. 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. You have purified your souls in obeying the truth. As we look at the Word of God, we see that it can purify us. And just as, as fire is seen as the greatest purifying agent, so the Word of God is the greatest purifying agent for our souls. Fire is also an energizer of sorts. Psalm 39 verses 2 and 3. Psalm 39, verses 2 and 3. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good. And my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, or while I was meditating, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more of his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. When God's word fills us, it burns like a fire. And when it burns like a fire within us, it needs to be shared. Acts 8 verses 3 and 4 As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now listen to what it said in verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. I wonder if the persecution that they suffered in some way stoked the fire within them. But they went about spreading the Word of God. That fire burned within them and they could not keep it in. They had to share it. And even Saul himself, in his own conversion in Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, after he had been converted to Christianity, after he had obeyed the gospel and been baptized for the remission of his sins, it says in verse 20, immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. It was like a fire within him. It burned within him and he could not do anything but share it. I hope that the fire of the Word of God burns within us so that we are willing to share it. Think of when you first became a Christian. When you first obeyed the gospel, when you first came up out of the watery grave of baptism, risen to walk in the newness of life, was there not a fire 